Episode 147 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. The Pilot the Pilot podcast is brought to you by The Finer Points. They have an amazing ground school app for the knowledge you need to fly. To learn more, visit learnthefinerpoints.com. Hey all I'm Chris Palmer from Angle of Attack. You can follow me on Instagram. That's the best place to find me. And I'm a flight instructor from Homer, Alaska and a flight school owner and the proud flyer of a 172. AV Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot Podcast. My name is Justin Seams and I am your host. Today's episode is a follow-up of a series that I did with Chris Palmer from Angle of Attack. We did what you need to know before you get your private pilot license. And now, eight months later, maybe even longer, is the follow-up to you have your private pilot, now what? So this is aimed at people that have their private or just want to continue training. If you already passed that, I think it's still some good useful knowledge to, to listen to and hear so you can give some tips and some advice to future pilots as well and maybe they're going for the ppl or maybe they want to ask some questions about why they should get their instrument rating or why they should continue on uh this is a lot of fun i love talking with chris chris just does a great job at explaining things and he's one of my favorite people to talk to and have on this podcast so i'm very thankful for chris teaming up we do have some other parts of the series coming out they'll come out much sooner than the long eight month wait that we had for this one thanks a lot COVID. but nonetheless here it is so nation thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you like this podcast please leave us a review on itunes you can find us on instagram at pilot the pilot and if you want to support the show check out shoppilotthepilot.com or go to patreon.com slash pilot the pilot i really hope you enjoy this and i want to get this episode out for you so without any further ado here's chris palmer with you have your private pilot license now what chris palmer what is going on man welcome back to the pilot the pilot podcast it's good to be back man it's been too long been i don't know way too how long. The time passed so quickly, but so here quickly. we are. Yeah, it's crazy. We uh, So this is the series that we wanted to do that is for pilots. It is for a certain stage of being an aviator. So it's for whether you're a student pilot, a private pilot, instrument, commercial, and so on. Uh, we had the idea of just knocking these out a long time ago. We did one and then... I think that was before the virus or maybe like right when it was hitting and we didn't really know what was going on and didn't really believe or want to believe kind of what it could turn into. Uh, and now here we are eight months later, seven months later, um, still you're in Alaska and I'm down here and uh, we're here to finish the series. So I'm excited. Yeah, man. I think everyone kind of, we were all doing podcasts and like really gung ho about helping the community out when the virus started and obviously just trying to come to, gra- to, to grips with what that meant. And then it seems like everyone kind of hit a brick wall, like around July. It's like, crap, what do we do now? Yeah, it's like, wait, this is still going on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. And here we are in like the biggest spike we've ever had. So Yeah, we won't talk about that. We won't we won't get too far into into spikes and, and get real depressing. We're here to, yeah, man. Yeah. to promote aviation and we're here to talk about the person listening, to give them some advice of what's next. So this episode is gonna be titled You Are a Private Pilot. What's next now? Oh, let me tell you. So this episode is going to be titled "Your Private Pilot Now What." So what do you do? Uh, you're a newly minted private pilot. Do you just go fly all the time whenever you want? Do you take a month off? Like, what's the thought process of a private pilot? We're going to dig deep into that, and we're going to split it into kind of two sections. So we're going to talk about two different types of private pilots. We're going to talk about the ones who are private and hoping to get their instrument, commercial, multi, everything to go to the airline. And then we're going to talk about the ones that maybe just want to be a private pilot. What should their mindset be when they go fly? What should be next for them? So 
Uh, let's go ahead and start with this. You are now a private pilot. Let's go back to maybe you being a private pilot. What was the first thing you did? What was your thought process after you were a private pilot? I think where most people are, which is just very apprehensive. I didn't really know how to spread my wings and fly somewhere new without a tremendous amount of um, maybe even an exorbitant amount of research and flight planning and just, I guess, way too much detail. But it's a good and a humble position to come from because you, you definitely want to come out of your private pilot training having a humility for the power that is now in your hands to to fly an airplane with passengers outside the watchful eye of a, of a flight instructor and do your own thing. Because now you are putting yourself out there. You are the captain of your ship. You are the ultimate you know, um, uh, person that gets to determine your destiny. And, uh, and there's a lot of thought that goes into it. So you just had all the training and now you got to go and show you know what you're talking about and you know how to do this. And that's not very easy to do. It, it takes, it just takes like little baby steps, I think, is basically, I think the, the gist of all we could talk about here is just these little tiny baby steps moving forward and growing as a private pilot and doing so safely. So how do you, like, how do you do that? That's, I guess, the big question here is how do you do that while still being safe, while not, like, not building bad habits or or putting yourself into a place where you could make poor decisions or, you know, uh, uh, start to have some hazardous attitudes. You got to be careful in other words, but you've also got to grow and learn and move forward and fly. Yeah. I think that's great. You have to figure out a way to grow. You have to figure out a way to keep learning, to keep growing and spreading your wings. When I got my private, I never really felt comfortable enough to just go. I mean, I did feel comfortable enough to go by myself, but it was still kind of like, I was a little hesitant. I didn't necessarily feel like I could break out of my comfort zone and push myself and challenge myself. Uh, it might've just been a personal thing. I don't know if everyone or other people are like that as well, but I was also in it for the long run of continuing the training. So I didn't really fly too much for fun. I kind of was just like, all right, instrument now, let's keep going and training and training and training. But I guess a good question to, to raise is how do you get out of your comfort zone when you are a private pilot? How do you, not necessarily get out of your comfort zone, but how do you push yourself in a safe way? How do you know kind of to set limits? How do you, you continue to grow? How do you go from 10 knots across one to 11? How do you grow your personal limitations as you are flying and as you are renting or as you're a newly minted private pilot? The, the one thing I'm constantly trying to figure out how to teach is how how to go through a decision-making process. Like, what does that look like? And I know the FAA has all these acronyms that they use on how to make decisions, but really I think, I think it just comes down to like a practice of, of de-conflicting whatever you're doing. So coming full circle to your question is, if you're going to go and do a cross-country that maybe is even several days long, say that you're, you're going a long way and you're going in one direction. so your previous longest cross country was 150 miles or something. And now you're going to be going and doing something that's like 700 miles, say, how do you do that and still be safe? Like how, how do you make the decisions along the way that help you execute that to a safe end? And I, I think one of the big things I look at is when you 
are going through different phases of flight and you're looking ahead at say even the forecast and what your flight is going to be like based on your flight planning, how can you deconflict the possibility of those things that may go wrong? So say that there's a weather system or something in your way or the winds at your destination are, are even stronger than you like are comfortable with or outside your personal minimums. And this is where becoming a pilot like really matters and why they say that becoming a private pilot is a license to learn because in those situations, you need to learn the cadence of like when it is appropriate to fly. Like, do you wait a couple hours for those winds to die down? Do you stay the night at that hotel until the next day to get favorable conditions that will make that easier? Those are the start the sorts of things you're starting to look at as a private pilot because it is your choice. And and you really need to be thinking creatively, almost morbidly about, hey, what could go wrong here? You know, almost like uh kind of reminds me of like Chucky, you know, that the doll that, that childhood. Yeah. yeah, the Chucky doll, yeah. Where he's like, he does all these things that are crazy and he's like trying to kill everyone. Like that's kind of what safety is in aviation. And there are these little things that are trying to creep up on you and, and kill you. And how do you, how do you deconflict from that? How do you like run away from Chucky and, and get out of those situations? So I'm rambling a bit here, but it, it, it's just out of everything you could learn as a pilot, you need to learn how to make quality decisions that affect the safe outcome of your flight. Sometimes that can mean expediting your planning, which is probably not a good thing for someone that's just got out of private pilot training. Sometimes that means waiting uh, for the weather to improve. Guess what? The weather will always improve. You just, it's just a matter of how long you wait, right? So those are the sorts of things that I look at when I see a brand new private pilot that doesn't know a lot. Um, they're just fresh. They've done a several cross countries, but they want to start dipping their toes in some different places is simply, you know how can I do this? How can I exercise the skills and the knowledge that I have without going so far that I box myself in a corner, I guess? Yeah. And I think it's important for a new private pilot to know, even if you're not planning on doing any more training, you're just happy with being a private pilot. It's okay to text your CFI. It's still okay to text maybe a mentor. It's okay to talk to a group and get their opinion be like, Hey, like the weather's here. This is how many hours I have. Is this something I should do? Uh, cause People will probably, your, your closer friends or your CFI, they know how you fly. They know how you handle things. They're probably going to err more on the side of safety than sometimes than you will. They might be like, whoa, bro, like, have you, have you thought about that? Like, that's not really the best idea. Like, I've done crosswinds with you before. You probably shouldn't be going in a 20-knot crosswind. Like, just not a smart idea. Wait right. till tomorrow. So surround yourself with people. I think that's huge. Get a community. Still keep in contact with that CFI. Don't be afraid to ever hit him up. Even if he's a jerk and charges you 0.1 ground for asking you a question, you know, like, like just hit him up. Like it, it's worth it. In the wrong run, I'd rather pay for an hour of ground than having to explain myself why I crashed at 172 when I'm a newly minted private pilot. I, I think one of, the, one of the key things that we need to be careful of when we're private pilots that aren't really looking forward to additional training, like in the near future, is you need to be super careful about complacency. Because if you're just doing the same thing, you start to get a little rusty and a little soft in, in what you're doing in aviation, especially if you're not, like if you're not growing, you're regressing. So if you're not testing out those crosswinds a little bit more, if you're not testing out the longevity of your flights a little bit more, then 
you're going to start to get a little bit soft. And so I just wanted to throw that caution out there um, to build off of what you said. I 100% agree. And I guess to, to add to that, if you recognize it in yourself or maybe you're like, man, it's been six months since I've done stalls. It's been six months I've done crosswinds. Should you go hit up your instructor and should you go fly with the instructor? Or I guess a better way to ask it is when would you say, I need to fly with an instructor? Uh, is there like a certain time? Like I haven't flown in three months. Should I go up on myself? Or uh, it does it just depend on the, the individual person of getting more comfortable with those skills or building those skills like crosswind stalls or anything like that? I think private pilots and, and pilots in general are, are pretty, they're not very good at self-assessing when they actually need training. So I, I don't think it's like a conscious thing that says, oh man, that was a crappy landing. I need to go get an instructor. I, I really don't know of a lot of people that have that mentality. So I think it's better to be proactive rather than reactive in the sense that if you have a proactive plan of continued training, that is how I think you are the safest type of pilot. Because I think one of the most dangerous types of pilots on the other side of that coin is a private pilot that has like no plan for the future. They just, they have their license and they keep their minimum currency and that's it. Um, they're not progressing at all. And so I think if you go into this with a plan, a proactive plan of, hey, I'm going to fly once a quarter with an instructor or once every six months or once a year, whatever it is, get a couple hours of instruction just on anything. Even if you're going back and rehashing and, and fine tuning some of the private pilot stuff or dialing and landings better, you're not going to be progressing. So I think, honestly, man, I think this particular like piece of advice or thought, regardless of the license, no matter how deep we go in, in ratings is like just something that every pilot needs. They need the curiosity and the continued learning that keeps them moving forward. I, I think of each type of uh, license that I have, right? I'm not really a private pilot anymore, but it was certainly true then. Um, instrument, you get really rusty really quick. Commercial pilot, if you're not doing your power off 180s every now and again, you're going to get rusty there. CFI, if you don't teach every now and again, you're going to get rusty there. I'm sure that you would get rusty in the latitude if if you didn't fly it for six months or three months or or get that instruction. So it's like you have to keep learning all the time. That is something that that is the like a core makeup of a pilot is this commitment to like lifelong learning. Yeah. And I, I agree with the complacency over time too. And what you were saying, I think one of the most dangerous, or I, I, let me start with this. I think the safest time for a private pilot is probably the first 10, 15, 20 hours right after their check ride. They know everything. They're, they're really good at everything are kind of on top of the world. And then what I think is where it gets hairy and where it gets scary is the first time they scare themselves and then they don't go back up. And then they take a week or two weeks or something off because they just scared themselves, which everyone's going to, I mean, you probably still scare yourself every once in a while and scares might not be the bad word, but might just, so you might have a bad landing and it kind of is embarrassing. And you, I mean, you can scare yourself, but you might just not want to go I, back. I up. think scare is a good word. Yeah. I, because yeah, because you come up to your limits and it's like, whoa, that's uh, that's close. Yeah, exactly. And you kind of get in the situation where you either take the time off or you go back up and you challenge yourself and you go back up and do it. Now, what I think is the most dangerous is someone that was in the part where they scared themselves and hasn't been up in a month or two, or even say winter sets in. You're in Alaska, winter, you can't go fly uh, three months off and then you go back up and fly. You are not very sharp with everything. I mean, you might think so and you might have one good day, but 
how you handle an emergency, how you handle landings, how you handle any kind of adversity. It doesn't even have to be emergency, just adversity in general. One thing can really throw off a flight in general. If you just don't feel comfortable, it's going to throw off everything. So I think that is just one of the most dangerous times for a private pilot. Yeah, it's so true. And confidence is a really important tool and an important attitude to build as a pilot, but eventually it will end up becoming a struggle of some kind in the sense of whether you come up against your limits where you do get a little bit scared of something or you have so much confidence that you don't understand your limits. That's even scarier to me. Someone that doesn't understand what their limits are and I've seen plenty of that. Um, But it's a really fine, fine line to draw because you've got to be confident to move forward and put like dip your toes in the water and new things and grow but you also can't be so careful that you don't grow. You know what I mean? It, I, I talk a lot about this with my friend. We talk a lot about the risk factors that come with bush flying and how close people are to the edge when they're flying in the bush. I'm not a bush pilot. I fly in Alaska. I have a flight school here, but I'm not a bush pilot. Uh, but I'm surrounded by many of them in the community. And so you hear all these stories and see all these things. And those people are much, much closer to the edge and they have a greater likelihood of an accident, for example. However, because they're so close to the edge, they're also some of the most skilled pilots in the world because they are there building the skills that no one else gets close to. You know what I mean? So we need to find out for ourselves through personal minimums, which the FAA has a document on that, through, um, through continued instruction, uh, through humility and just like an openness, I'll talk about that in a second, to find that line where we can build confidence without being overconfident. Um, and, and, you know, I, I just think it's really important for us to find where that's at and, and work toward like a greater goal at all times. So that's why the, the private pilot that isn't like, doesn't have a plan is a little bit scary to me because they need to, be moving forward and growing all the time. Yeah. And the dangerous part, and I totally agree with you there. Um, you set your own personal minimums and you don't really learn those personal minimums until you get to a point where you say, I'm never doing that again. You know, when I was flying freight, obviously this is outside of private. This is with my commercial ticket. But a lot of things that I learned about weather, about freight, about what I, how I operate an airplane, I made mistakes. And I was like, that's a terrible idea. Never doing that again. Uh, Some mistakes put you in worse situations than others. Uh, I learned how to read XM weather really well based on what I was comfortable with turbulence and what I felt the plane could do. Um, Just thunderstorms in general. But as a private pilot, it's really difficult to keep pushing yourself. Like we're saying, it's really difficult to go over the edge. And I don't want anyone to go over the edge, you know, never, it's, it's, especially when you're flying by yourself or even worse, you're flying with people that are new to aviation, like your wife or your kids, or even you're, you're taking someone up for the first time to show them aviation. It, it's definitely dangerous to, to keep pushing yourself and to figure out your personal minimums. So it's like, how do you figure out your personal minimums without pushing yourself? And when do you find the right time to go push yourself? I think that's where an instructor can be a really good buffer because the, the minimums for an instructor are much higher than they are for a student, depending on how you define minimums. But an instructor can handle a lot more than a a student or a brand new private pilot can. So what may not work for a private pilot, you know, a certain amount of crosswind, a certain type of weather, whether it's marginal VFR or IFR, whatever it is, an instructor may be comfortable with that and may be able to assist you 
to experience that scenario, to experience that condition while not risking it for you because they have the skills to handle it, if you know what I mean. So, I mean, that's all we're doing in private pilot training anyway is, hey, I'm an instructor. I know how to land. I'm going to teach you how to land, but I'm going to be here just in case like you don't quite learn it right. But that same, that same mentality is there for whether it's marginal VFR, for whether you want to go fly in actual conditions, for, you know, we bring up the crosswind example many times for going a, a long distance. You know, there are all these things that as private pilot, you may not be comfortable with, but your instructor can help you dip your toes in the water in a safe way in those situations. Definitely. So it's kind of like we said earlier, don't be afraid to go hit up your instructor. Don't be afraid to go get extra learning as you are. I mean, obviously every two years you have to take kind of a, a what is it? A, a biannual check ride type, like a checkout type deal with an instructor. Flight review. Flight review. Yeah. yeah. See, it's been so long since I've been in that world. <laughs> but, two years, by the way, is way too long. That's if what we're I'm talking saying. about proficiency here, two years is ridiculous. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Uh, I mean, take the initiative to go pay for the instructor. Maybe uh, it can be a good friend who's an instructor as well. Someone you trust that can really just be like, dude, like you're, there's, there's something wrong. You need someone that will tell you flat out that you're dangerous or that your mindset's not right. Because if they're not, then you're just going to put yourself in a bad situation. So you need someone that's going to be strong enough to tell you that you need to work on stuff. And that mindset not being right, maybe them like, what's the big deal? Like, here's why that situation is not that big of a deal. Like you're overthinking this. And a lot of the times, especially with, with brand new private pilots, that's largely my, that's largely where I go. It's like, hey, you've got the tools, you've got the skills. Here are the reasons why, like everything looks fine here and you, you shouldn't be nervous. It's just like, there's that apprehension, right? Um, whereas like you talked about this scenario where they get a couple hundred hours and they're like, oh man, yeah, I can do anything. It, the weather will improve. It, it won't be marginal VFR when I get there. Um, that's when an instructor can step in and be like, Hey, that, that doesn't work. No, not a good idea, bro. Yeah. And, and I have one really quick story along those lines. So I had a private pilot. I want to keep, I want to keep this really, um, I don't know, vague without giving away names or anything. So their name so was, friend. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their names were, this, yeah. and their license numbers were, um, but they were uh, a couple of friends of mine. It was right after one of my friends got a private pilot license and they, they took off at night in the winter and went over a large body of water without the altitude to be able to glide. Like they were, they were completely vulnerable in a single engine airplane where if they had an issue, they would, they would die. Like there's no other outcome to that scenario. And it was, it was kind of an awkward situation because it's like, I just signed this person off for their private pilot license. They just passed. They're out there like getting, getting some time to, to, you know, toward instrument or whatever. And here I am as an instructor, like kind of spying on them. And I'm like, you know, I just had to write one of my friends and be like, dude, that was not smart. Like, I, like this is awkward for me, but I don't know how to say this, but you guys should not have been in that situation. And you really need to get the altitude to get over that body of water before you do that. Navigate a different way, climb, whatever you have to do, but get higher before you commit to something like that. And it was received well. And, and uh, I think it was kind of an eye-opener. Um, so anyway, it, it, it's, it's one of those things that instructors, they never, <laughs> good instructors never stop thinking of those things and teaching 
So we need to be careful not to compartmentalize all training into into licenses like private instrument, commercial, and flight reviews. There are so many different things you can do with an instructor outside of that purview that help you along the way. It's definitely it's definitely a mindset shift because culturally in aviation, we do try to compartmentalize everything. And it, it's almost awkward to like impro- approach an instructor again and be like, hey man, like, do you mind taking this flight with me? I know I just got my private pilot license, but I'd like someone along. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and we need to be careful not to be too prideful to ask. Yeah, pride's a big word there. Pride is, especially if you're a new private pilot, especially you just got signed off or you just got your ticket. Like there's no ego at all. Like obviously there's so many people that know more than you. So just take the opportunity to go up with someone. Um, whether Yeah, just go up with anyone if you don't feel comfortable. I did have one question I want to ask. As a CFI, as someone who signed someone off as a private pilot and you've seen them pass, what are kind of three weaknesses that you see with newly minted private pilots or what are some, I guess a better way to phrase it is what are three, three of your biggest worries that you have when you just sign someone off? Like they just passed their, their private pilot. You guys are all celebrating. They go home and you see that they booked a, new, a flight for a couple of days later. What's some things that you worry about most for a new private pilot? Um, Get their itis is one thing I really worry about because there's lots of pressure for people to to fly and perform, I guess. And when as a brand new private pilot, you are now allowed to take passengers, you for the first time get the pressure of your passengers to fly, which is a uniquely, I don't know, it's just like a, a, a specific sort of pressure that people probably aren't used to wanting to show their family how good they are, how much work they put into this. That, that's a tricky one to tell people and, and to teach them, hey, no matter what, you've always got to stick to your guns. Uh, and that, that comes to just the, the basis of being a pilot in command. People need to learn that over time. I think weather is a tricky one. Uh, typically in your private pilot training, you're not dealing with a lot of weather. Um, you're typically flying on really nice days with not a lot of wind where you're very far away from, from minimums. You know, you learn the, the VFR minimums when you're doing airspace and things. And if you ever see minimums of, you know, 3152 in class echo airspace and how, how terrible that weather looks, but it's still legal, then you don't truly understand what you're allowed to fly in. And so weather concerns me a little bit and just their, their ability to feel that out and know what they should and shouldn't do. And um, I think on top of that, as a number three, is I just don't want people to throw their training out the window. I want them to lean on the tried and true stories and the tried and true attitudes that they, the positive attitudes that they should have gained during their, their, uh, their training, that being, you know, humility for the process, uh, you know, humility for the growth that it takes to get to a newer and higher level as a private pilot. Um, the curiosity to learn, you know, we've touched on all these things, but I, I just want them to continue the safe and the methodical and the, I guess, even powerful process that it took them to become a private pilot to taking that process now into their everyday lives of being an actual private pilot licensed and, and doing that from day to day, you know, continuing to learn, um, being careful, 
thinking about the possible outcomes that could go wrong, avoiding those hazardous attitudes and seeing them within yourself, avoiding the get there itis, all of those things. I just want to see them, uh, you know, continue that attitude, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And at the beginning of this, we kind of mentioned that this is going to be kind of two different segments or two different parts about a private pilot who's just going to be a private pilot. And then we're also going to kind of focus on a private pilot that's continuing their training. But these aspects can be for everyone. There's going to be a part, there's probably going to be a time where you might take a couple of days off, a couple of months off, or maybe a year off from training. So if you still have plans to training, it's still important to remember everything that we're talking about right now. And don't be afraid to, to get extra training if you need to, to go back up. Um, you might even just want to go up with, or before you go take passengers, you might want to, it might be a good idea to go re- rechecked out because I'm very conscious about taking new people in aviation for the first time, because I don't think they should be taken up in a bad situation when it's really bumpy crosswind stuff that you can't really handle because you are, you have their life and they have no idea what is happening. And I feel like it's up to a pilot. It's up to us to show them how great aviation can be. And it needs to be a least, the least amount of stress as possible. And you can control that with uh, your decision-making. I saw this question on Facebook the other day. Someone was asking what sort of maneuvers they should do with their passengers after they get their private pilot. And I'm thinking like, you shouldn't be doing any maneuvers with your people. You should be taking them on a super vanilla flight. Like do not go over 20 degrees of bank at any time. Do not pull anything more than one G. Like, like go get barbecue, man. <laughs> yeah. That's what I said. Like yeah. go and get a hundred dollar hamburger. Go do something that is beneficial to them that, that shows them the joy and the power of flying. So yeah, it, you, you got to be super careful about that for sure. And, and you know, it, it, there's that whole thing when you become a private pilot that you give your, your passengers a safety briefing. Um, that is actually a very powerful moment when you approach the airplane with your passengers and you being able to give them a sense of comfort, I guess, understanding about what's going to be going on for the flight, what options they have, the fact that they can speak up, maybe when they shouldn't talk during certain phases, but you can really instill a sense of, of comfort in them while still doing the safety briefing. Uh, and it's especially important when you're, when you're in a small airplane, because, you know, it's, I don't know, it's like, it's just very personal. Like you're in very the personal. cockpit with yeah. the person and, and you get to see everything happening. You get to hear everything happen. So make it personal, make it fun, uh, get them excited about it. Uh, you know, one of the things is like, I need to do this, but it's this idea I keep having is have like five, $1 bills. Right. And, and offer a dollar for anyone that sees another airplane. Like, and help them, like, get them involved in the process of spotting traffic. I don't know. That's just kind of like a fun thing to do. But there is a certain art that goes into making people comfortable to fly. And the golden rule to that is, like, don't be an idiot, first off. Like, don't, don't do maneuvers. Like, don't do steep turns. It's crazy. Why would you do that? That's crazy. And actually, that brings up a question that I wanted to ask and I almost forgot. What should a private pilot do on their own maneuver-wise? Should they go practice stalls? Should they go do steep turns? Should they go do those things on their own? Or should that be reserved for going up with a flight instructor? You know, this actually goes to a deeper issue from a flight instructor's perspective because I don't think that, I don't think that maneuver training is actually particularly helpful in making a good pilot. And I don't necessarily believe that going out and and just blindly doing maneuvers and practicing them really 
has a long-term benefit. Yes, it does teach you the skills of learning how to fly an airplane in the very beginning, but we need to be able to apply those maneuvers to a situation that actually makes sense. And where do those things show up in the everyday flying that you're going to be going out and doing as a private pilot? So say that you've done your private pilot, you had a 6,000 foot runway your entire training. That's where you practice your soft field and your short field takeoffs and landings you know, completely flat around it. You didn't have anything to do. But then when you get some passengers, you guys find out you want to go get barbecue at this short little airfield with trees around it. And you you know how to do that maneuver. You've practiced it. But until you actually go there and do it, you don't know what it looks like and what it feels like. And the other little ancillary things that come along with that that can affect you. So my point there is that the maneuvers that you would be doing actually fit much better into a scenario of where you are and what you're flying than it does just going out and blindly doing it. So I would revert back to the original advice to get out there in the real world and do things. You know, find find a really long, nice grass strip to go practice on if your if your flight school or your rental allows it. Um, find a short field. You know, maybe you go there with your instructor first if you didn't during your private training. Go to a short field and and learn the ins and outs of that. Um, why do we do steep turns? Well, we do steep turns because sometimes we need to maneuver and get out of a situation, whether that's you're in a canyon or you come up upon, upon traffic and you need to turn very steeply. It also teaches you the, the ins and outs of load factor and why it's so important to not do a steep turn, say in the pattern, you really start to understand that. So Connecting those dots with maneuvers is very important. And from, again, a deeper instructor level, we're trying to move away from the maneuver-based training and get more into the scenario-based, like, why why do we do this? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And when you were talking about that, it brought up something else that does scare me for a new private pilot. And maybe for me, it was different. I don't know. But I don't think I fully understood. I never put myself in a bad situation, but coffin corner. I don't think a lot of private pilots really understand what the, what the coffin corner looks like and what it can be. Now it might be different with every instructor, but I feel like that's also something that goes away your, your mindset and your thought process of it goes away when you have get their itis, like you said, or when you're racing weather in, or when you have other scenarios, I feel like coffin corner for a new private pilot is very easy to get themselves into. And it's, it can be obviously very devastating and you can't really get yourself out of it depending on the situation. So I think that's one thing that a lot of private pilots also need to look out for and be extremely vigilant on is, is getting in the coffin corner. Yeah. And, and that kind of goes back to my previous point of Chucky. Like you don't want Chucky to be the guy that gets you into the coffin corner. You need yeah. to be looking for Chucky at all times. Yep. Like what are the, what are the Chuckies in your way that are going to get you in a situation that's very difficult to get out of. Um, like and I, I, I really try to avoid even still those situations that require that of me. Um, I'm constantly trying to find ways to de-conflict. I think I used that word before. Mm-hmm. De-conflict my flights and like find a safer way to do something. There is a scenario like this, this summer. I still run up against things that test my skills. This summer, as with uh, a few of my brother's friends, and we just had a nice week of fishing all over the peninsula here. And, uh, and I had just taken them for this beautiful flight to see some glaciers. And we were going to meet them along the road system. I was going to drop them off at this small airport. And when we got to this small airport, uh, grass strip surrounded by, uh, uh, gravel strip surrounded by trees, 
I faced a scenario I've never faced before and it tested my skills. We essentially came in on final, this airstrip is in a canyon and the wind was channeling down this canyon in such a way that I could not slow down the airplane. I was idle power for like a half mile going 90 miles per hour. The airplane would not slow down and I've never seen anything like it before. So I, you know, I do what I need to do. I, I get, I get my flaps out. I get dirty. I'm still, you know, I'm still going like 90. I don't really understand it. And then, uh, and then I come over the trees and I burn up like three quarters of the runway and I'm still not touching my wheels down. And I know if I sit down and try to get on the brakes, I might not be able to stop. So I do a go around and I go up and I try it again. And this time I give myself even more space. I slow down even more, you know, just get ahead of it a little bit more and ended up making it work the second time. But uh, you got, you know, that was one of those things where it is really based off of experience, but it's just like, I have a better chance right now of doing the go around and trying this again than just landing this plane and hoping I can stop by the end of the runway because things are not going very well. So yeah, it, it's a uh, deconflict, deconflict at all times. Do not be afraid to go around. It can be some of the, it can be the best decision you'll make at any flight is just going around and no one's going to judge you for it. <laughs> if anything, someone will be on the ground and be like, Hey, way to go around. I mean, that's what my company is who I fly for. If you ever go around, they will, they will tell you good job because they want you to make sure you make the best decision possible. And they're not going to be upset with you burning a little bit extra gas to go around to try it again. Yep, Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty much good for private pilot. I think the big thing that we touched on was, uh, don't be afraid to continue to learn. Don't be afraid to get more training. Do not become that complacent private pilot. It is something that can sneak up on you. It's something that can happen to you before you even know it. So it might take someone else. Maybe you go up with another pilot and they're like, dude, go see an instructor. Like you, you got issues you need to work through. Like here's Chris Palmer. But it, it could be that uh, you're not really going to notice it sometimes. So if you ever see yourself doing things and you can recognize it as soon as you possibly can, go up with an instructor, go, uh, there, there's other tools you can use on YouTube. You can watch people, you can listen, you can just go to an FBO and just talk to people, just, uh, tell stories and then t- just kind of go through that process. But I think it's important to, to always have a plan, whether that's just, uh, continuing your, your private pilot training as a private pilot and never get rusty, or you can build up to instrument commercial and so on. Yeah. And building off of that, um, you touched on exactly how I wanted to, to put a cherry on top is that you don't have to be flying to keep your mind in the game. And just by virtue of your listeners listening to this podcast, keeping your head in the game in aviation, even if it's something that's more theoretical, like we're talking about here today, it is going to help you tremendously. So those people that that don't consume content, that don't keep their head in the game, that don't constantly think about flying are the ones to me that are, are the dangerous ones. And at the end of the day, this might be a paradigm shift for some people. At the end of the day, it is up to you how safe aviation is for you on your entire career. So you get to pick who you are. You get to pick how safe you are. And ultimately you choose how safe of a pilot you are going to be. And, and with that mindset, you get to avoid a lot of the stupid accidents and the stupid things that people get themselves into just by making that decision to be a safe pilot and always keep your head in the game. I agree. You said it perfect. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add? Or do you think that's good? That's it, man. Cool. Well, good. next up is going to be 
the most important rating you could ever get. So if you want to listen to that, that will be coming up next week or a month, two months, who knows, but uh, it'll be here sometime (laughs) or you can follow us on Instagram to figure out when those are coming out. Chris, thanks for coming on, man. I always appreciate it. Huge pleasure, Justin. Thank you. AV Nation, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Like I said, this is a part of a series that Chris and I planned on doing a while ago. Uh, We filmed one right when this was all going on and we just kind of got busy with our lives and some things popped up and we weren't able to continue. So nonetheless, we were able to continue and this was the next step in that process. The next one that's going to be coming up might be coming out in a month or so and it's going to be you're going for your internet rating or you're going for your commercial rating or keep on going in your training and in your career and in your life. So I'm looking forward to, to sending these out uh, if you like I said if you like these episodes please check out Chris Angle of Attack on Instagram he puts up great stuff and also check out at Pilot the Pilot Instagram and make sure to leave us a review we're so close to 600 reviews <laughs> that would be awesome if we get 600 reviews by the end of the year so thank you so much for everything I appreciate it and uh, as always happy flying